Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. There is power in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Just now, I was looking at a verse that says that the fragrance of your name, and it says, your name in Song of Solomon 1.3 is ointment poured forth, shemen, olive oil that is spread out. The name of Jesus is like olive oil of the Holy Spirit that is spread out across the audience. In the power of the name of Jesus, we overcome. Every demon will bow and we will break every curse and we will bind every demon that we become aware of as the Lord has given us authority and power to tread on serpents, to tread on scorpions, and over all of the power of the enemy. In Jesus' name, give Him our praise off and right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you to this band. They blessed me so much in these last few weeks, and uh, I really love these people on the platform. And uh, I thank you for... Uh, being just what you are as an audience. I, you know, the church here is an amazing church. It's always the people are positive, always the people are happy and filled with joy. When they come into this place, you see how the radiance of Jesus becomes evident on the people's faces. It's like the fruit of the Spirit, where it says love, joy, peace, patience, then it says goodness and kindness. The goodness and the kindness, almost synonymous. If you look at those Greek words, and the dictionary, uh, uh, the dictionary analysis of that, it's, it's so close. But both speak goodness and kindness. Both speak of the way that Jesus behaved toward the people. And uh, the commentators are one with that. And so his name indeed, as uh, Song of Solomon 1, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 3 says. Now, um, I want to talk about something which I found this week come across in the course of a week. I have the word in front of me almost, well, it is like every day, except if I say, now I'm going on holiday and I am now, say, go to the Kruger National Park and I'm traveling there from, from camp to camp or whatever the case may be, then it's a different case. I find peace in that place. Those animals don't know about anything about power outages. Amen. In fact, they like the nights, especially the lions. Well, the other animals are not all that happy at night, but, you know, there's protection in the herd, just like it is in the body of Christ. Always protection when you come together. And it's good to see you here tonight, and it's good to be with you, to be able to minister to you, and it's just such a great pleasure. But I'm in a very relaxed mood. We're past the, the, the Christmas concert. Now we're going on, and we're building up towards Christmas, two weeks from here, and I hope that you will have an excellent of a Christmas day, that it will be the Christus Fies, the feast of Jesus Christ. It's not the feast of Jingle Bells or, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Santa Claus or Father Christmas and all those things. It's nothing to do with that. This is the day that we think of, of the birthday of our Savior, and He is the creator of all things. His name 
is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Give him a praise offering tonight. Hallelujah. Now, you know, it is, uh, it's an amazing thing. I just have a verse, I have it in memory too, but here in 1 John chapter 5, verse number 7, I've got it open in front of my mind, so I'll read it. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, which is the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Word, which is the Word became flesh, uh, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. He is Jesus Christ, called the Word of God, as He returns even after uh, the great tribulation period, when the heavens are open, Revelation chapter number 19, from uh, verse number uh, 11, I think it is, where you find the heavens open, and then you see how the rider on the white horse appears wearing many crowns, and he's called the Word of God. That's Jesus, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, these three are one. This, of course, consistent with, of course, the, the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. There are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, again, the Holy Spirit. And then a very interesting saying here, there's about four interpretations, but most of the commentators say the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And they say that's his water baptism as the Lord was baptized. The Spirit came down on him in the form of a, of a dove. And then also the blood which he suffered and uh, he poured out his blood for us, the blood covenant. Having said all of that, I've been thinking in this week because scriptures live with me. And, and I'm thinking that it's amazing, actually, uh, concerning the way the Spirit, we talk about the Spirit here, and I've just read verses there, the Spirit moves in, in the earth. This is actually the dispensation of the church, also known as the dispensation of grace, also known as the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. Now, in all three cases, if it was a test at the Bible school, you'd be right if you say dispensation of grace, dispensation of the Holy Spirit, and uh, the dispensation of the church. All three would be correct because that's really what it's all about in the period we are living in now, just prior to the departure of the church, which is really an amazing event that is awaiting people. The scriptures have been fulfilled. That prophecy of the church departing and many others that work together with it is very clear. We are going to go to heaven before the Antichrist can come. And uh, that's, that is, I don't want to get into all of that because I can go on with these scriptures like right through the night. There's no problem for me. But the fact is that the Holy Spirit in this dispensation of the church, of the Spirit, of uh, grace, the Holy Spirit uh, works differently in different people's lives. You have an endowment. You have a touching of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Bible says in John, uh, 1 John uh, 2 verse 20 and 27, it says you have an anointing of the Holy One. And uh, you know all things that says, again, 27, you need not anyone teach you, but the anointing teaches you. And what I found in uh, this just experiential through many, many years, I have found the interesting fact that if, let me get straight into it, get to the point, in other words. If you preach about, let's say, healing, you will find that there will be a healing anointing. 
It's just like it is. Apart from the fact that God uses the Holy Spirit in different ways, it's His Spirit, and He empowers different people in different ways, so with me, so with everybody. But if you talk about scriptures now, you use the Bible. This is very important. You talk about healing. Dr. Malebu was praying this morning, Saturday morning also, and Tatu husband. They were up on the platform praying at the prayer meeting, and uh, she's quoting healing scriptures. And I noticed that, and that's beautiful. If you, it's very powerful, actually. If you preach healing, and you then do an altar call for healing, not only do you get a good response, but you also find that more people are healed because he watches over his word to perform it. Jeremiah 1 verse 12. He watches over his word to perform it. You know, the Bible tells us, Isaiah 55, and in the 11th verse, about the word of God that is poured out from heaven will not return to God void, but accomplish those things where he has sent it for and prosper thereunto. His word poured out from heaven upon us. If we take a category and we preach and give scriptures on that category, the anointing increases. Here's the point. If you talk, for example, on a subject which I cover in the Bible, in the Bible school, and uh, I want to do it actually in this coming year, I'll be doing a thing called the nature of fallen beings in the Bible school. It'll be an open course, so people will be able to do that thing, and they'll be able to attend that thing. But when you get into that, you start talking about demons, authority over demons, and how you deal with those, those spirits, the nature of them, what they get up to, demon spirits, fallen angels. What do they do in society? So if you understand that, you are so much more equipped. Now, the strange thing is you teach about that subject, and the moment you do an altar call, and uh, you say, come to the, to the front, everybody feels that you're plagued by some form of spirit. They come to the front, guess what? Through the years now, we've seen demons come out. I remember one year, I was busy teaching about it, and, um, and it was actually in the Bible school in the morning, and a woman started manifesting. She was sitting in the second row in the front of the Bible school and uh, in, the morning, in the morning session, and that day, we cast over 300 evil spirits out of her. The entire day, I would take turns, the pastors would come, and the pastors would lay hands on her, then I would lay hands on her, and then the next one, then the next one, and we just continued, and one after another, they manifested, identified themselves, and went out, and that woman was completely set free. She went on to work for Oral Roberts Ministries. After that, she went in full-time ministry. She is set free. I've seen many people set free, but you teach on the subject, of the nature of fallen beings or the authority of the believer and you find that there's a huge anointing flow. You see? So the anointing works differently. But if you take anything, um, if you get quite industrious, if you start studying these things, and um, I know that not everybody's got the time. I spend the time in it, but not everybody's got the time, but you've consistent. Let's say there's an area let me close here for a second in front of me. Uh, let's say there's an area, there's really been a problematic area, 
and you really do a good research job on it. You know, you can get books on it, like if you go to, let's say, Amazon on the internet, and you get like healing scriptures, you can get them there. You can get scriptures for various things. God will answer your prayers. All kinds of things. If you want more power in your prayer life, then you gather these things together and you roll through them in your mind. You meditate on them and you begin to speak them. You say them out aloud. I'm talking about you in your private time when you are alone, you and God. And you, you, you use that. You would find very soon that particular area is, uh, is, is, is going to be impacted of your life in a most wonderful way, just the most wonderful way. I've seen this over and over, but I never thought about it just quite like that. Same, same way, if you take the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, of course, you'll find them in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, 8 to 10, 8 through 10. Uh, there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, but we categorize them for the purpose of discussing it in Bible school for dissecting it and, and doing an exposition of those categories. I need to do them again also in the new year. If you, if you do those categories, you look at its nine gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, faith, working of miracles, and the gifts of healings. Of course, you all got that now. Word van wijsheid, woord van kennis, onderscheiding van geest, talen, interpretatie van talen, prophecy, geloof, werking van wonders, werking van krachten, en genadegaves van gezond maken, that's in Afrikaans language. So, if you take that, and you, you group those gifts, you find that each of them serve a purpose in the body of Christ, by and large. But when I focus upon one thing, this is interesting to me, because I'd find somebody that would pray. I've seen it in the years. They would have an anointing. They pray for the sick, but they have a specific anointing, let's say, to pray for people with blind eyes. And they pray for the people with blind eyes they just open. I remember in my own life, I would pray for people early years now. I prayed nine months on this subject to get an anointing to pray for people if their legs are the one leg shorter than the other, they walk like that and then they get problems with their hips. And so the moment they've got this tilting, they sort of walk like that. And they sometimes not so much that you would notice it, but I very often, very often, I'm, I'm aware of the way people walk. And they walk in front of me, always look at how they're walking. It's just a thing because of the scriptures. And I would think that person has got a problem and pain in this hip. Because that person's walking like this is not, but, but in, a, in, a, in a sensitive manner, in the sense that, that it's not obvious, but if you focus in on it and you see how people walk. There's another thing I found very interesting, and that is that people, because of school, they have a school case. Now, nowadays, we have a school suitcase. All right? You walk that case in a university, you walk with your suitcase. And uh, you're carrying all these books, and some of them are pretty heavy. You walk around that, right? And you go around with anatomy and histology and all of that stuff. And you walk with those books because the professor's got lectures. Is that right, Ntati? You walk around like this. Then I find a very interesting thing. I find the one, one shoulder, if they write, the right shoulder is slightly lower than the other one. If they are left-handed, this left-handed shoulder is slightly lower. 
So you pray for them, you see God do that. I prayed nine months for that before it would happen. Just the most amazing thing. And eventually, after nine months, God started manifesting exactly just that. I prayed for somebody. Two things happened in one night. One had a leg that just grew out. The other one had uh, a situation of, of deafness, a, a piano teacher, and God healed her. The other one had a, 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 like a, what do you, what are you, the spinal dysfunction or the spinal curvature of the spine that was just too much, like it's like really hollow here in the back. And uh, the, this whole spinal cord is like, like bent. And um, I prayed for a young woman, and uh, she was there, and uh, she, was, she was sitting there. They're all having tea together, and Maud's in the kitchen, and uh, I don't know what she was doing there, maybe fetching more or whatever. And so I prayed for her. Here, both her leg grows, and you could see how her spinal cord straightens out. And it's just amazing. After that, never ever thought one day that it wouldn't happen. Never, I never thought for a single day it wouldn't happen. Because I just had that anointing. Yet right now another guy comes along and he prays for people with blind eyes. And the blind eyes open. And then you have people praying for ears. I've had the most amazing miracles take place there. I, pr I never forget, they, call, they called me out to, um, it's at Beulah Park of, the, of the, uh, the PPC church. And they had this huge women's conference there. They said, you come and you, you speak to us. So there are all these women, there's thousands there. and They're just from everywhere. And uh, so I speak and uh, then I begin to pray. Pray for one woman, not knowing it, but she had a plastic eardrum. A plastic eardrum. One time there. And she's hearing with that ear. Without no effort, the ear is open. And everybody, you know, there was a, there was a man that, uh, that uh, it was actually an amazing thing. He was like a blind man going around, but he could see perfectly. And he could read perfectly. And he went around across America. It was quite a phenomenon. It's in church history in the time of Dr. Oral Roberts. Now he's gone on to be with the Lord. But it's in church history, it's documented. This man going around, and he could see perfectly without eyes. He had, they put in glass eyes. And he could see through that glass eye just like nothing. And it's the most amazing thing. I, I, I'm not sure if it's one eye or both, but they would close the one at least, and then he would look through that glass eye and he would see perfectly. How that happens, I don't know. You better ask God, because we can, we can never, we can't do those things. You better ask God. But if you talk about a certain thing, it brings that kind of anointing on the people. You take the band that plays here. When they played last week, they brought glory to God, and you felt that wave coming over the people, like it's like a wave. It just flows over the people. I'm sitting here in the front, and I'm thinking to myself, do the people actually feel this? Then right after that, um, in the days that followed, there was some kind of a whatever concert or whatever music concert on the television, and we just happened to be in the bedroom, all switches on, hear all these people singing, and they just singing for their own glory. They just singing there because they're busy with entertainment. But the power of God is not on that. And you know, it's like, it's like literally 
you see it and it does nothing to you. Yes, that's good music. But here you see it and you feel the presence of God. You feel the presence of God. So if a person, for example, has a problem with finances and they get down to that thing and they really begin to gather for themselves, they're people that got together with some scriptures on that. Maud's always talking about this man, uh, Dave Ramsey of Dave, Dave Ramsey University, which is a financial setup. And she's forever, you know, Maud is good with that. God gave her the finances, and I'm glad about that. Let me, you know, just get it away from me because the word is in me. So she does that. And she says, do you see, do you hear what this? She would read to me things that she would get. Forever has got books and things. It's just amazing, but she'd be there. And when she takes up the offering, she takes it up as a woman that prays at home, and she prays that one. And she prays at home, and uh, then she comes to the platform. Tonight, she's not with us. She's been here, but she had to go home to sort a few things out. She said, can I go? I said, please, by all means, you go along. And uh, so when, you, when, she, when she comes to the platform, don't underestimate that thing. She's a woman who prays. She gets up in what time of the night? And I wake up, and I've got to go pray. Whatever time that may be, you know, whatever time of the, year, of the night. If I get woken up, I go to pray. And uh, I see Mort's not in the bed. Okay, I go and I go, you sit, say, and say, but she's busy with the Lord. And then she's busy with the Lord, and she's reading books, and she's got scriptures. I got the scripture, and now like these, these scriptures from Ecclesiastes she was reading today. Did you see this? Did you hear that? This is how she goes. There is an anointing on her life. And the wisdom that she has with finances, just in general, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it, it's admirable. So people have got faith for things. When you meet that faith with the word, the word of faith, and you talk about that, it, it lifts and it elevates their faith. And the faith causes God, like I always say, you know, God will pass a million people and stop one person with faith. I say it again, God will pass over a million people. But I think it was John Wesley actually that said that. He'll pass over a million people, find one person with faith and stop there. But the anointing flows. If you talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which I was, I've just mentioned to you, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, or you talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, like in the Holy Spirit Fire Conference, guess what happens? Now, there's another thing I found very interesting about how God works there. Normally, we pray for the people. I'm talking like January stuff. We normally do this January. Uh, you know, whenever that's scheduled, on schedule January. Uh, you, I, I know, what I notice with these prayer meetings and that is that the anointing builds. Most people don't realize that. But it increases through the night. As we pray along, you see manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And then you see more manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Then you really see manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And eventually it's quite a normal thing to see how people are really affected by that. It's like that anointing increases all the time as you pray. I get all the pastors to put their hands on me and on each other in a row, connect up and say, right, we pray for the people. We pray, we lay hands on the people. As you go along, the anointing increases. If you talk about a thing and you've got the right scriptures, the anointing for that is there. And then if you say, 
okay, let's, let's talk tonight about whatever the case may be. And you choose that area of need in people's lives. Like you'd say, well, you know, there'll be no barren women in Israel. Never found in the camp of Israel. Let there be no barren, barrenness in the camp. Now, when they're coming out of Egypt there, uh, and, and we're going to talk about a subject like that. You find you pray for people and children are born afterwards. Because God is the one who opens up the womb. God is the one who gives the life in that womb. God is the one who created it all. So it's just an amazing thing. You break the curse of barrenness, and there you go. There's somebody, next year they come. I've already had a prophecy like that, not once, a few times, that I would say, I'll see you next year, and you'll be presenting a baby unto the Lord. God bless you. You have a family now. They'd go home, and a year later they'd come back, and they say, well, we have a baby. And the children would come for. You know, some people have got sicknesses and things that, that for example, they, they don't realize that Jesus covered it all with his suffering on the cross. The punishment of your peace was upon Jesus. By his stripes, you were healed. Can you say amen to that? Is that just an amazing thing? That, uh, and, and you know, it doesn't say, well, he covered some diseases, some sickness, some ailment, some this, some that, or the other. It's not like that. He himself bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. Now, if he did that, the price has been paid. How many of you think that the price has been paid? The price is paid. Now, what is there that, that, that lingers? That is just that I find that people have to also have faith in God. That's what Jesus said. I think now Mark 11 verse uh, 23, 24, 25. Those, those, and Jesus said, saith unto them, have faith in God. Just those words, have faith in God. Mark chapter number 11, 23. Have faith in God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, but not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which you say will come to pass. That's why you got to be so careful of what you say. You shall have whatsoever you say. It's dangerous to just say, because you're a born-again Holy Spirit temple. Now, you say things, you can actually say things over your life that's not so good. Might as well say amen. Are you going to have to say, oh my, are you listening to me tonight? Give the Lord a praise up again, everybody. Amen. It's an amazing thing. You know, there, there are books written about the Holy Spirit in the church. And you get lots of commentary about that. But the Spirit of God works in diverse manner. He works in a variety of manner. The Greek word for that is merimnao, which is like he gives an endowment to different people to be able to do different things better than somebody else that hasn't got that anointing. See? That anointing works it's very, very specific. Now, the Lord may give you of the other gifts of the Holy Spirit. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Those three gifts have been with me from 1983. From the 9th and the 10th of October of 1983 when the Lord spoke to me in the night. And uh, from there became the era of visions and dreams. In the second service this morning, I started talking about that. How the Lord had guided me in the early years of the church 
very much there. I'm a, just a green bean. I've just become senior pastor. Now I've got to get my staff to increase. But now who do I put? Who do I employ? So I told them this morning about a situation where the Lord says, don't use that man. He actually showed me a vision. I told it this morning, the story. And then he says, that, that man will, will, will backbite you. And it wasn't long anyway. I never appointed him, but he never became a pastor. But I soon found out some of the pastors of the time came to me and said, do you know how that man is backbiting you? I said, well, I know about it because I know about it all the time. It's just the way God works. He works different in the gifts in different people. See? They had another man that um, in the early years of the church, uh, I was in Cape Town. It was December. It was very nice in Cape Town. And uh, it was holiday season. And so we're just relaxing. Suddenly we have a call that the big tent on the, on the West Rand we used to be in a big tent, like a 2,000-seater tent. And uh, we, we, uh, the, the tent had just blown away. So then I have a dream. You must go immediately. There will be someone there, and he will step forward, and he will desire the pulpit. And he will present the solution, which is not of me. I woke up that morning. I said to Mort, let's go. It was like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning on the road. That night, six o'clock, I walk into the church and the self-same man is on the platform and he's busy with his own agenda. I said, stop that thing. It's not going to be that way. It's going to be this way. Now, I saw all of that in advance, but the Lord warned me about that situation. You know, it's amazing. There was a man that uh, he, was, he was just, I mean, this, this particular person, just a very nice fellow, just a nice guy. And uh, he was good-hearted, kind-hearted. He was a very well-to-do man, and like I say, he's a good man. And uh, he, uh, you know, uh, he, he, he wanted so badly to be one of the pastors. And in those days now, I'm praying about these people. People don't know where my prayers go. So I'm praying, Lord, I said, I need wisdom with this. What do you want? So lo and behold, again, there comes a dream in the night, crystal clear dream. Here I see the man, and I see him standing at that big tent there. And uh, I see him waving at me. He's very excited. Next to him stands his wife. I see he's going like that. Hello, Harold. How are you? And good morning and so on. He's very glad. Now, it's, you need to know that when you get those visions, they're so real that it feels like the real thing. You can't. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and it's needless for me to boast, but I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord, for I know of a man whether in the body, out of the body. Can't tell can't tell that in the body, out of the body, can't say that such a man is caught up into paradise into the third heaven where he heard words unutterable to be spoken. So, couldn't tell the difference between being in the body or out of the body. Couldn't tell. So, I couldn't tell. I see him there. It's as good as any. It's a sunshining day. It's a bright, bright, cloudless day outside. I'm standing here. Here's this man, but it's in a vision. And he's standing next to his wife. And he goes like this, but his wife is, watch me now. She's doing this. And he says, you can't appoint her. The Lord speaks to me. Because his wife has not got the vision of this church. She's rejected this church. So I call him in in those days. I call him in. And I said to him, brother, you know what? I can see 
by the way you come to prayer meetings, by the way you commit it, everything you take just like, uh, like a little honey bird that just wants more honey. You just go for it. You just want it. But I've got to ask you something. I can never appoint you as a pastor except you tell me this. Talk to me about your wife. How is she with this church? Up to that point, I didn't even think about it. Just talk to me about her. What do you, what do you say about her in this church? And he sat forward, he dropped down, and he, went, he blushed. He got real, real red in the face. And he, he, he didn't, couldn't answer me. He said, you know what? Do you mind if I come back to you and I tell you tomorrow? I said, no, it's by all means. In the meantime, he doesn't know what I've already seen. That's why I'm talking to you. And uh, he doesn't know that. So I don't tell everything. I just keep quiet. I just act out what I've seen. So he goes, and the following day he comes back. And he says to me, um, he says, I've got to be with you. I've got to be honest with you. But you know, my wife is under heavy influence of her mother. And between her and her mother, they've rejected this church. And I'm with you, but she's not. I said, well, you know what? There's a thing called a marriage covenant. These two are one. I cannot, I cannot ordain you as a minister if your wife's not with you. Just straight like that. I'm sorry, brother. I love you. You're fruitful. You're a good man. You just really are somebody that's exemplary in the church. However, you can never become a pastor because of your wife. And he never did. See, this is the way. Like this morning I'm talking, I said, my, God speaks to me in 1983, earlier, even before that, he speaks to me, actually, no, let me correct this. This was on the 9th and 10th of October, 1983, and just after that, I hear a voice in the night. I wake up, and I'm thinking, Maud, do you hear that? Who's talking there? Now, I'm, I'm like a green bean on this. Who's that talking there? My church is full of unspiritual spirituals. Note that he says, my church, not your church, not your congregation. This building belongs to him, not to me. Can you say amen? You, you know, you get people going around and say, I got a church. No, they ain't got no church. Oh, I got so many church members, they ain't got one. Jesus has got them all, including the buildings, including the entire creation. He's got them all. So he says, my church is full of unspiritual spirituals. I immediately understood what that meant. People who are unspiritual, really, in spiritual positions. So, you know, in the early years of my life, I was a young man. I was already at 16 years. I was a, I was a Sunday school teacher. Soon I would gather, become a deacon in those years of that church. And I hear these people sit around the church board. Everybody's disagreeing with everybody. And I'm thinking to myself, are you in church? Where are you now? Because you grew up with the word. Now you go behind the door and you hear this going on here. These guys, I had people come tell me stories. I don't even want to repeat it. Unspiritual people sitting in spiritual positions, they can't do nothing. They can't cast out a mosquito out of this place. Never mind a fly. They can't even swat a fly. They can do nothing with it. They can just, there's, there's just nothing there. But they got a position. Might be the town mayor. Might be somebody with a high position. But my church are full of unspiritual spirituals that just cause trouble. Just cause trouble. In the Old Testament, you find God says, he says, you know, talks about the priests that have gone astray and the sheep that suffer as a result of that. 
God speaks about these things, you know. And I think to myself, you know, this is amazing how all these years, my men didn't even know about it. I did not really talk about it ever like this. But they didn't know that actually it's preceded. Actually, it's there. Actually, there's someone that you must have the fear of the Lord in your life. So I had that over and over. It happened in the early years. It kept happening. And, and so with that being able to hear whom God says, I may appoint in his house, being able to do just that, I appointed men of the Spirit, and guess what happened to them? They're still with me. Right, George? Right, Yehu? Still with me all these years. Just by, stay with me. I'm just looking at the two of them sitting over there. Now that pastor tins. He's a wonderful man. I wonder if he's listening to me down there by the seaside. You are a very naughty man, Tians. Amen. He left. He should have stayed. I don't know what he's doing by the sea. Amen. But he's still a good man. Got to love him in any way. Got to get him some time to come preach. You know, that's Tians. He's just, you know, he's been there right from the beginning. How about Louis Birchemann? You know, Louis Birchemann was here on the West Rand before I was here and part of the church before that. There are people sitting here tonight that have been longer in this church than I'm in this church. They just go on. So why hop from church to church like grasshoppers? But you know, the Lord is like this. He works in a peculiar way and he works with you and your life in a special way. He has got a unique endowment of the Holy Spirit on your life. The one he calls to be a teacher. Now, you know, we, we've got the fivefold ministries, Ephesians 4, verse 11. Now, Ephesians 4 says like this, you know, when he ascended on high, he led captivity or a train of captives behind him going up to paradise in the third heaven. That's emptying out the people that were in Abraham's bosom in the Old Testament. I'm not going to teach that right now. That's Luke chapter 16 from verse number 19 and onwards. You get some insight of that. But Okay, life after death. He led a train of captives, the holy, holy men and women, the saints of the Old Testament, up into heaven. He descended and then he ascended. And then we know that the Bible also says in the book of Matthew that the graves were open and many of the, of the saints who have departed came into Jerusalem. Imagine for yourself that you have somebody knocking on the door. You open the door, here's your great-grandfather standing and looking at you. He's not supposed to be knocking on the door. Amen? But they did that. And uh, the evidence is there. Even Pontius Pilate in his reports write about that. The graves were open in those days. Directly after the Lord himself ascended, the first begotten from the dead. Then they followed. And so... Then he gave gifts unto men. Who gave the gifts? Jesus. Jesus gave the gifts. What gifts did he give? In this case, this is the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now the planet is full of self-appointed apostles at the moment. 
I get a little bit fiery in that, in that situation. Self-appointed apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So you get within those categories, you get evangelists, and then you get evangelists like Reinhard Bonker and T.L. Osborne, those men, Oral Roberts, huge anointing on their lives. And when they pray for the sick, particularly praying for the sick, they would get people come out just like that and they get healed. A.A. Allen in those days. How they would pray for the people in stretchers. They would wheel them in from, from uh, uh, like you would get an ambulance and they would take somebody on a stretcher bed straight from the hospital to the front of the church and he would pray for them and they'd get up out of that bed. They would be paralyzed up from their neck, completely paralyzed. And he would just see that they were in church shoes sticking out at the bottom. And he says, I see you wearing church shoes. And he lifts, yeah, you're wearing church shoes. He says, yes. This woman says, yes, I, I, you know, I dressed up. I'm going to walk out of this place tonight. See, that's faith. You can see faith in people's lives. Let me say it again. You can see faith in people's lives. So he says, can I then take this blanket off? She says, sure, I'm dressed up. So he takes it off. She's dressed. They helped her to dress, but she's paralyzed from here because of an accident, completely. And uh, she can still talk, but that's about it. He prays for her. And I, I, I even, you know, I used to watch these people. They pray for them and say, oh God, he would pray like this. Give this woman life again. Change this woman's situation. And you see that person, he would take her arm and her arm would fall back. Take her arm and her arm would fall back. Take her arm again and it stayed there like that, shake like that. And then the other arm would also be up there. The next thing, she just sat up in that thing. I've got it on video. I got it on video. In fact, you can get A.A. Allen. You can go look at that on the internet. Most probably you get it in YouTube these days. He prayed for people. I played some of those videos for the students at the Bible school. They didn't want to go home. They got so touched to realize that God is still healing people. Are you listening to me? Give the Lord a praise offering. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Amen. They got so touched because of that. And they were weeping. The students were weeping. They just crying. I remember they were in that side wall, just that one there behind the curtains. And they were just going on. In those days, Tians was with me and a couple of those people. They've always been with me from the beginning, these guys. And, and, and it's just amazing. I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to be where God's moving, you know. How many of you want to be where God's moving? You know, we were in a generation where the people have just lost the faith. In a generation where all sorts of antichrist spirits are running around and spinning all types of stories. And uh, I'll say far more on the 31st in the New Year's Eve prophetic service than I do that. Then I'm really, really prayed up for that one because it's a big one. And, uh, you know, you, you get these people going around. They have no faith. You know, you go to a hospital. I learned very soon, going to a hospital, you know, somebody says, go pray for my brother. I get to the hospital. The guy says, who are you? I don't believe in Jesus. You turn, you go out. Because they wouldn't know anything. He didn't want to know anything. He'd rather die than what he'd give his life to Jesus. Then on the other hand, I've been to like the Janusburg General Hospital. They call me in there, there's somebody there that's got a kidney situation, the kidney ward. And yeah, they're all on these machines, dialysis machines. So I pray for one woman, 
Oh, she's lying there. The power of God's on her. She's now full of the Holy Spirit. Then suddenly, I, as I opened my eyes, all the people in all the beds in that ward said, Pastor, come pray for us also. The whole bunch. Here we go through them. Have you ever seen somebody arguing? Very few people argue when they're on a deathbed. Amen? Very few. All kinds of things happen in your life. When you start praying, you stir up yourself. The spiritual man judges all things, yet he is judged by no man. You can measure the spiritual maturity in people's lives very quickly. Very quickly. And you see all these things happen. Now I go down to the Cape. You know, Marie and Wesley, they're not here tonight. They're in Grafrenet. They're on their way to the Cape. And uh, they're going on holiday now for a few days. So uh, I go down to the Cape. Area of oats worm. Guess what runs around there? Them big birds called ostriches. Now they're rather dangerous, those things. You know, particularly with their eggs. You have to really gird your loins and move out of the way. When an ostrich comes on, the male comes on towards you. Amen? Either you jump on his back or you get kicked out of that cage. Anyway, what am I saying? So the farmer there, we're visiting with people, and uh, the farmer there says, you know, we got a thing here going in this place. He says, won't you pray for us? I said, what, what's this? He says, you know what happens? He says, every night. Now, he has got the sleeping quarters, very nice sleeping quarters, good farmer, good people, good sleeping quarters, but the single men slept in a big hall. They, had, they built them like a hall, and uh, when they get married, they get one of the, like bungalows, they would say, they would have very good facilities. And uh, he says, now these are all the young men that joined us, but every night, every night, round about midnight, about midnight, the front door of that barn would open up. And then they hear somebody coming down. And this person's going. <sighs> and they would lie there with their eyes like this. Nobody wants to make a move. And this is true now. I'm not telling you a thing that's not true. It's the truth. And then that creature would jump somebody and start, you know, like, what do you say? You suffocate, choking somebody. So, you know, they, and that person, you could hear, they literally battle in this thing and then it would get up again and go walking out. <sighs> so the farmer says, can you help? I said, oh, oh, by all means, I will help you. Shall I walk around there? I see now there's right behind the sleeping quarters, there's, there's, there's a graveyard there. And I see in the graveyard a lot of muti on the graves. You know what muti is? They got all the stuff there on the graves now. They got this now. I walk in there and look at this. And I look at the ostriches. Now those are expensive birds. Those ostriches have no feathers. Close to that little graveyard there, they have no feathers. This thing would not only attack the people, but it also attack the birds. So the farmer says, can you help? I said, surely I can help. Get them together. He calls all the workers in. The whole lot that sleep there, I said, fine. Number one is you got this thing here. I'm going to break that curse. That's just nonsense. I said, the second thing is, I'm going to first preach the gospel to this bunch. They need to be there. They need to find out about Jesus. 
They don't need to fear. Jesus loves them. And so do I. And I say to you, they don't have to be like that. And that thing is not going to come visit again. He's finished with him. So I preach them the gospel. Very quickly, very quickly, just Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe in your heart, God the Father raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I said, how many of you here today would like to be saved and give your life to Jesus? All the hands. That's the best altar call of my life that day. I mean, it was like that. All the hands are up. I'm looking at this. They confess. Oh, they start confessing. They start confessing anything. And once they, they clean themselves out, I say, okay, now, I want you to stand here. I'm going to pray for you to get full with the Holy Ghost. And another thing, I'm going to pray for you that God will stop this thing. And I bind that spirit right there. I say, you foul spirit, you in this place. I take authority over you. you got no place here with these people anymore. Get out. You are bound in Jesus' name. Boom. Curse is broken. They never had an ostrich feather lost again. They slept like babies. Never a problem. Never again. So you know what I'm saying to you tonight? I'm saying to you what you're preaching about. There's an anointing for. If you talk about healing, there's an anointing for. You're talking about finances, there's an anointing for that. But if you talk about it with the Holy Spirit coming in with you, and you take it from the Scriptures, and you flow out from there, and you pray. And when you pray, the more you pray, the more the Holy Spirit starts moving. Can you say amen? amen. Now, I'm not going to tell you no more stories here tonight. Amen? Tell you many stories, my goodness. I have had such experiences with these things, and yet I've seen how people would fear. I've seen people fear in the night. They would fear darkness. They just fear anything. They just walk around with, with stress, completely unnecessary. I'm going to tell you this just really quickly, and I'm finished. Do, you know, um, your body, your body, has been created by God, in God's image and in His likeness. How many of you say amen to that? Amen. How many of you know that the life that is in your body also came from God? How many of you know that God created you? I've spoken about this before, I'm going to say it again. But God created you to heal automatically. You get a bump here, and after a while that spot is gone. Or you get a bruise, or you get a scratch, it heals. I began to notice that. I began to see that my body and your bodies automatically wants to be healed because God created you so. Let me say that again. God, your body's automatically, your physical body wills to be healed because God's created you so. The system, like David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The system of you wants to be healed. Now, take it like this. If I also say now, the spiritual man in me, I also want to be healed. And you put your willpower in that. And you begin to speak the word of faith over yourself. You'll find a lot of things turned around. I've been experimenting with this actually for a long time. And I've noticed that if I will to be healed, if I will to be healed, if I will to be healed, 
And if this is the confidence which we have, 1 John chapter number 5, 1 John 5, says these words. And this is the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we have the petitions that we ask for. Right? If we ask anything what? According to His will. So, His will is to make us whole. And it's interesting where the Bible talks about there's no health in my flesh because of my sins. But you know that word health there is very interesting. That word health in Psalm number 38, in case you're thinking of that. She's a doctor, so I can talk. Psalm 38 tells you that there is no healing in my body because of my sin. But you know that word there for healing. You know what that word is? Shalom. They translate it regularly, everybody, as peace. There is no peace in my flesh because of what I got up to. So what does Jesus do? The Lord Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. Your faith is great. Your sins are forgiven you. Rise and walk and be healed. The moment sin is dealt with, then automatically healing manifests itself as the Creator made us. Now, that doesn't mean to say that somebody is now practicing sin and now he's in that condition. Because there are also things that happen to people. People get into a motor car accident. They're godly people. They love God. They get into an accident and now they're not well. But I want to tell you something. If you will say, I will be healthy. Everybody say that. Put your hand on your own heart and your other hand up to God and say, I will to be a healthy person. Always I shall be satisfied with length of days and see the salvation of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give Him a praise offering right now. Amen. So it's a, it's a matter of you and your faith. And it's a matter of, you can't tell a person, well, you know, Pastor, you've got to pray for me. And he, and he splutters and he coughs and he carries on. And he smells like he is a cigarette factory on his own. And he's now spoke to himself in new dimensions. Even tried, what's a Dachau, what they call it? I don't, marijuana, marijuana, I don't know what they call that stuff. It's, it's foreign to me, but still. I no net lacquer, you saw. Now pray for me, I want to be healed. I say, well, I pray for you to stop being stupid. Because if your lungs are full of tar and you're busy dying, you present the doctor with a problem. Can you say amen? Well, I hope I didn't step on anybody's knees or toes or whatever it is tonight. I'll pray for your toes and they'll also be healed because Jesus wants you to be healed. Do you believe that tonight in this place? Well, where's the band? Let the band come forward and let them make some music here in this place. Amen? Are you glad you came to church tonight? Ach, I tell you what. Oh, no. Hey, listen to me now. Find what you want to know, what you want to happen in your life. And God will make your plan succeed. Then get that, do that homework. And, and, and let the homework 
Bomb yourself with the Word. Let the Word just come into you. Kenneth Copeland had a man that was, he was busy dying and he's in a coma. Days in a coma, woman next to the bed. They were there. And uh, he, he's got this, they, 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 you know, he's got this, they used to have those cassettes that you can have, put like six in in a row or 12. It's like one Makulu radio with cassettes. And you take this Makulu item in there. And you put it down next to the person and you play like, you know, any chapter in the Bible, like healing scriptures or just the New Testament, particularly where Jesus is going around healing people and all who were oppressed of the devil. Acts uh, 10 verse 38 says that. Now you prayed those scriptures and he played those scriptures. A day went by, two days went by, and the nurse is sitting next to the man, and she's like looking after this thing. It's like a caregiver. I don't know how they work in these hospitals. But anyway, there's a nurse sitting there. And uh, the next moment, this person sits up in the bed. And he says, where am I? She's, she thinks she's dealing with a ghost. She goes into a new blood group there, right there straight away. But she gets such a fright, but he sits up in the bed and says, I'm fine. What's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with me. I'm going home. He went home. Because the scriptures of healing were coming at him all the time. The entrance of the Word of God brings life, light, revelation, understanding. Can you say amen? For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.